chapter 20, verse 19, it says this. Then the same day at evening, somebody say at evening, being the first day of the week, so it was Sunday, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. So Jesus had just been crucified on the cross. They had put him in the tomb. The disciples were so terrified that because their hero had died, most likely they were going to come and take the, the, the disciples next. They got themselves in a room and they bolted the door. It says, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. Hey, y'all, the first thing Jesus purchased on the cross was our peace. The Bible says he is the prince of peace. Like, sometimes we get so caught up on living a sinless life. Like, I don't want to sin because sin offends God. It does, but it's not your biggest focus. Sometimes we get, I want to do something great for God. We should, but that shouldn't be your biggest focus. Biggest focus should be, I want Jesus himself, the Prince of Peace, closer to me than he's ever been before. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. It was probably the mintiest breath. I mean, he's the son of God. It had to be perfect breath. He said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, for the grace that you've given us to trust you more. God, we understand in this moment that we are in the middle of a collision between heaven and earth. God, wherever we find ourselves in BWI in Columbia, Baltimore, online, you said wherever two or three are gathered, there you're not going to be. And God, if you showed up, God, it's to move supernaturally in our lives. God, we're praying that we would never be the same after this moment. Have your way in our lives and our hearts. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. Come on, that was a whisper, BWI. Somebody shout Amen. We are uh, starting a, uh, a new series today. Um, it's going to be a mini-series, about three weeks, called Doorways and Decisions. Doorways. Come on, somebody say doorways. Doorways and Decisions. And here is uh, the prophetic word that God gave me that I'm going to unpack over the next three weeks. I believe as a church. Somebody say, I am the church. Uh, a little too proper. Somebody say, I is the church. It's not good English, but it's good preaching. Don't get it twisted. The church is not the staff. Somebody say amen. The church is not a building. The church is not just a gathered room. We are the church. I believe as a church, God is getting ready to open supernatural doors in our lives that maybe have been closed for a certain season, but you're just going to begin to see a season of breakthrough come to pass in your life. God's going to begin to open doors in relationships. Maybe there's an area in your life where relationships have been strained or non-existent. God is going to begin to open doors in that area. God's going to open doors in your finances, in your ministry. God is going to begin to open 
open doors for this church of greater effectiveness in this region than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Here's what I'm sensing, that God is getting ready to open doors that we're not even praying about. Hear me, the Bible says we serve a God that does exceedingly and abundantly above anything that we can ask, think, or imagine. What does that mean? That means your prayers are just a baseline. I don't want to get too far off into the theology on this side, but hear me. When you pray, it's not God, do exactly this. It's God, here's my expectation, so feel free to exceed it as only you can in any way you see fit. Just hear me. Somebody say this. Say, I am getting ready to walk through some open doors. God's breaking some glass ceilings. God's unlocking some places that you don't have the resume to unlock. You don't have the network to unlock. You don't have the net worth to unlock. You don't have the connections to unlock, but you know who your daddy is. You know that he has the key to everything that he has called you for. Here's my job. My job is to get you ready for when that door opens. Because nothing could be worse than a door opening, A, and you not know where that door is. Or B, when the door opens, you're not ready to walk through. You ever had somebody picking you up? Maybe you ordered an Uber or whatever it may be, and they were supposed to be there at a certain time, and they got there, and you weren't ready? I used to take an Uber uh, to the airport, but uh, I always get charged (laughs) because they'd show up on time, and I'm still stuffing stuff in the suitcase, and they said, don't worry, we'll wait. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Hear me. It's expensive not to be ready for open doors. It will cost you not to be ready when God has an opportunity in front of you. Here's the other thing that you have to understand about open doors, BWI. Not every door is God. You have to understand that the enemy has a plan for your life as well. Some of you are waiting for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. God has somebody in store for me to marry. Yes, and so does the enemy. Let's just, let's, just, let's just think about that for a moment. I'm, I'm waiting for God to open up my dream job. He has a dream job for you, but so does the enemy. It would probably be called a nightmare job. We got to learn that not every open door is God. So when you're walking into a season of open doors, discernment is key. Because if you don't know how to discern the difference between good and God, you can find yourself settling for something. Oh, they're shouting at BWI. Columbia's like, mm. Columbia's the deep location. Mm, mm. BWI, you better preach that. And here's the thing. There's certain people that have walked through a door that are celebrating God for the breakthrough. And God's saying that wasn't even it. You're excited about that opportunity because you still have an orphan's mindset. 
and your mind has not been renewed as the royalty that you are, as the son or daughter of the most high God that you are. And when you find your identity as the son or daughter of the most high God, you're not going to be impressed when doors open. I'm a king's kid. Of course doors open for me. I'm a king's kid. Of course there's opportunity. Of course people want me to come do things. Yeah, are people that they get one little opportunity and they're so excited about it. And you don't have the guts to tell them you turned that opportunity down. <laughs> Only reason they opened the door for you is because I closed it. Don't, don't, be, don't be pressed because your phone rings and somebody wants to give you a contract or whatever it may be. No, 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 no. Is this God? It could be good, but if it's not God, it's not good enough. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to discern between God doors and good doors. We're going to talk about how to maximize uh, doors when they open. But today's message, I want to preach a message to you today called the blessing of a closed door. The blessing of a closed door. I've discovered for you to properly appreciate and have a gratitude for open doors you have to have first experienced a closed door. If all you've seen in your life is opportunity, you've never ran into any barriers. You've never ran into any pain. You've never ran into any setback. Watch this. If you've never been sick, you're not grateful for healing. If you've never lacked, you're not grateful for provision. If you've never sinned, you're not grateful for his grace. But when I've ran into a setback, when I've ran into a barrier, when I've ran into a closed door, all of a sudden I value open doors even more. And I've discovered how I steward the closed door season of my life will dictate whether I'll be able to maximize an opportunity when that door opens. I, 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 uh, I, I, I come from one of those nationalities where people have a lot of jobs. Uh, even today, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have like three different things that I do. I run this church, I travel and I preach, I do a whole bunch of different stuff. I've, I've actually never had just one job in my life. I don't even know what that is. Freshman year in college, first semester was the only time in my life since the age of 13 that I did not work. My parents were like, hey, let's not work. Let's try to get good grades. <laughs> After that first semester, so here's my grades. Can I work now? Because I don't know what to do with no money. I got to get this out there. My, one of my first jobs, as soon as I got my driver's license, I worked, my dad owned a company. He had a medical courier company where he had drivers all over the state, and they would pick up medical specimens from doctor's offices, blood samples, bone marrow transplant samples, and all this other kind of stuff, and they would ship it to a laboratory to be tested. Obviously, as you can imagine, whenever it comes to those type of tests, particularly, especially the painful ones, there was a very short window of time on which the specimen had to be picked up and shipped to the lab. Like as soon as the sample was taken, it was put on ice, we would pull up, we'd have all our ice chest and all that in the car, and we'd grab that sample, and it was a very time-sensitive job. So literally, it was in that season that I learned, hey, if you gotta be here at six o'clock, you won't be here at six o'clock. Only problem is I didn't learn that from teaching, I learned that the hard way. You got to understand, I was 16, I was 17, I was 18. I actually worked this job for about seven years. And, you know, it was one of those things where sometimes you were waiting on the doctor. So while I was waiting on the doctor, I'd run to the mall real quick. 
I mean, well, I'm going to go sit in a parking lot and wait. Run to the mall, grab me Madden 2008, <laughs> 9, 10, whatever year it was. Without even realizing that sometimes I would get lost, lose track of time. Doctor office would close at 6 p.m. Look at my watch, it's 5.55. Don't worry, I'm only seven minutes away. It closes at five. I would jump in my car. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says, this man drives like Jehu. He looks like a madman. I'm peeling through the parking lot at Annapolis Mall, breaking every stop sign, running through every red light, and I can't even tell you how many times over the... First of all, I just want to pause. Dad, thanks for not firing me. That's probably the worst employee that you had, but there is a perk to being the boss's son. I would get to a doctor's office, and I'm, I'm not even... This would happen at least once a week, where I would get there, and the door's locked. Lights are off. Sometimes I would get there, and it's not even that the doctor's office was locked. The whole building was locked down. Parking lot empty, people gone. Remember one of the first times this happened, I called my dad and said, hey, dad, uh, uh, the, the, the door's locked. I'll come back tomorrow and get it. He said, what do you mean come back tomorrow? So you don't seem to understand but specimen, there, there's a time since somebody went through excruciating pain for that test to be taken. And if we don't pick that specimen up tonight, it's not just that we lose that contract, but that doctor is in a network of seven different offices spread all around. We lose seven contracts if you don't get into that office. So my dad would do something like this. He would say, hey, let me know when you get in. Click. Would you, would you mean let you know? Did you not hear? The doors closed. You ever been in a situation when the door was closed? Like you pulled on the knob and wasn't opening. You called up and you said, hey, I, I know it didn't work out the first time, but I'd love to work with you. Is it, hello? Hello? Did they just close door? And I've discovered how I respond to closed doors will dictate the opportunities that God is able to give me in the future. By the way, I actually was talking to my dad last night about this, and, and uh, this was, I was like, do you mind if I tell this story? And he said, well, can you still get arrested for breaking into doctor's offices and has the statute? Listen, I learned how to get through a closed door in that season. I'm, I'm not proud of it. I kind of am. If I could tell you how many cleaning people I have sweet talks, convinced, manipulated, paid to let, I promise you I work here. I'm not a thief. Come on now. Who steals blood samples? This is ridiculous. Can I tell you how many security guards I bought them? Donuts. What do you need? You need Chick-fil-A. I'll get you a large fry. A hey, it's peach milkshake season. You, you look like the type of brother that likes a peach milkshake. Can I bring? I learned. <laughs> I've broken into more doctor's offices from 16 to 22. If you're an officer in this room, God bless you. It's 10 years ago. You can't arrest me anymore. But if you just look at a closed door and you say, oh, that opportunity is gone, and you walk away, 
and not realize that every closed door actually is a blessing in disguise for something that God is trying to prepare you for. This is not the message, but I think it'd be a good moment just to scream and shout for a second. I wish I had some people in this room that's preacher talk for you got to get ready to shout. Y'all ready? That had enough vision foresight to thank God for some doors that he closed in your life. In the moment, it looked like the greatest opportunity. In the moment, it looked like Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. It looked like the dream job. It looked like exactly what you... In the moment, you were heartbroken that that door didn't open. But has anybody lived life long enough to recognize that there has been some closed doors, some broken relationships, some situations where I was terminated, but that firing pushed me into a job that was above and beyond anything that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. Can we be mature enough to be grateful for God's no's just as much as his yeses? Come on now. It's immature Christians that can only handle only getting their way. It's mature believers that understand every no is actually God doing something greater than I could have imagined in my life. I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts about closed door. The first thought is this. Write this down. Not all closed doors are the same. Not all closed doors are the same. When you come up to a door, you have to figure out, worst of all, is it open or is it closed? And we'll talk about that in a few weeks of how do I figure out if the door is locked? We got to learn how to recognize favor. But if a door is closed, not all doors are closed for the same reason. See, some doors are closed from the inside. Some doors are closed from the outside. I find doors have four different purposes. Doors have four different purposes. An open door has two purposes. One purpose of an open door is to let things that are inside out. Then another purpose for an open door is to let things that are outside in. A closed door has two purposes. One purpose of a closed door is to keep what's inside in. Another purpose of a closed door is to keep what is outside from coming in. Just because there's a closed door in my life, just because I'm not finding favor, just because I'm not making progress, what does it mean to have a closed door? There's an area of my life that's stagnated. It's not getting better. It's not moving forward. I'm not finding progress. Just because it's closed doesn't mean it's closed for the same reason. John chapter 20, as we were reading, the disciples found themselves not just behind a closed door, but, y'all, they locked this thing up. I mean, they made sure, they put the bolt across the door. They were like, listen, I don't know what's out there, but I have no interest of what is out there coming in here. You see, they had locked themselves in because of what they had been through. They put all their hope, all their dreams, all their future into Jesus. Sometimes we read the Bible and we don't realize we're reading people's lives. The Bible said that these men had walked away from the family's business. They had looked at their parents and said, we don't want our inheritance. We're following this stranger. Because this stranger, who's really a carpenter's son, told us that he holds the hope of eternity in his hands. 
They had walked away from friends. They had walked away from family. They had walked away from all that they have known because he said, I am the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. And then he hung on a cross. They were waiting for him to destroy everybody around them. And instead of destroying everybody around them, he gave up his breath and he died. Like before you judge the disciples, you got to feel their disappointment. You got to feel how let down they were, how disillusioned they were, how it was literally the most traumatic experience of their life. And one of the things that I've discovered is that trauma will cause me to go into a dark place and lock the door. And we find ourselves behind a closed door, but not because Jesus put us there, but because abuse put us there. Something happened to me that should have never happened to me. Because of that, not verbally, but internally, I made a decision. I'm never letting anybody in again. Some of us have found ourselves locked in a dark place because that business that we gave all that we had for went belly up. We lost that home that we borrowed money from four different people just to be able to get in. That loved one passed away or walked out of our lives. For some reason, because of that trauma, because of that disappointment, because of that setback, we find ourselves locked away, but not because Jesus sent us there, but because pain sent us there. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, I pray that you may prosper even as your soul prospers. What it's trying to teach us, BWI, is that doors open in your lives based on the openness of your heart. So if your heart is closed, doors will be closed. If your heart is closed, opportunities will be closed. If your heart is closed, favor will be closed. So here's what happens. We find ourselves closed off in a room of rejection, in a room of I no longer trust people because people have hurt me. I no longer expect great things out of life because life has let me down too often. And then we wonder why doors don't open. We say things like, I can never find loyal people in my life. Everybody wants to use me, but nobody's there for me. But if we would examine our hearts, we would find a dead bolt on it. And an inner vow of, I'm never going to let anybody in again. We find ourselves in a position where I hate my career. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I actually hate my paycheck. It's not enough. We're applying and 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 don't see anything opening up. Not realizing it's not because it's a bad job. Y'all, do you understand people are getting crazy jobs right now? Two, three times what they're getting paid? Oh, God, God, listen, you, you can't blame an economy when God's opening doors for other people. But if my heart is closed, every opportunity I'm looking at is going to be closed. Now, not all closed doors are the same. Not all closed doors are God's will. 
Some closed doors are our response to trauma, our response to pain. So here it is. The disciples are locked up in this room. And I'm not going to, what were they doing? Like, here's what I've discovered. When you lock yourself away from life, it's normally short-sighted thinking. Not many people go through the thought process of, if I never trust anybody again in life, what's life going to look like? Not a lot of people have the thought process of, if I never take another risk for the next 30 years of my life, what's that life going to look like? We make decisions based on the current pain. And we make permanent lifetime decisions based on a momentary setback. Like the disciples are locked. I don't, I don't even think they had a plan. Before I preach it, can you just say, I love Jesus? Come on, say, 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 I love Jesus. Here's the disciples locked away in fear, locked away in trauma, locked away in setback, locked away in abuse. And next thing you know, Jesus appears in the room. Y'all, the door never opened. Oh, you missed it. Come on, BW. The door never opened. They never opened the door for Jesus. They never peeped through the hole to see who it was. It says that he just appeared in the room, and he knew why they were locked up. So he didn't come in saying, how could you leave me on that cross? Where he didn't say, here's what he, he said, peace. Somebody needs to hear that as you're locked in that situation of pain and trauma, that you serve a God that is not interested in what deadbolt you have put on your heart. We serve a God that will step through the walls that we've built up, and he's not stepping in to say, how could you be doing that? How could you be? One One of the reasons we lock people out of our lives is because we think they're going to judge us. How could you be sleeping around? Don't you have value for your body? How how could you be drinking? How could you be smoking? How could you be doing this? How could you? We we think that's what Jesus is going to be like because people are like that. Notice Jesus did not step into that room of despair and fear and trauma. and say, y'all are king's kids. Get it together. He said, peace. He said, no, no, you didn't hear me the first time. Peace. Peace unto you. This is just, you guys know how I preach. I always ask my Bible questions, though. And I just want to know, was, was walking through the wall Jesus' first choice? Y'all, there's nowhere else in Scripture where he walked through a wall. He, he, he walked on water, but he always went through the door. And my question is, did he really want to walk through the wall? Was that his first choice? Or was that the only option that was left him? Then all of a sudden I came across this verse in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And this answers it for me, but you can let it answer you. Here's what it says. Jesus said, look, I have been. Don't you love God's word? He said, I have been standing at the door, and I am He said, I am constantly knocking. Leave the verse up. I don't think Jesus wanted to walk through the wall. I think he was knocking at the door. 
And the disciples mistook the knock of their Messiah for the knock of more trauma and more tragedy. Could it be that there's a knocking at our heart and we're not answering because we don't want to get disappointed again? Jesus said, if anyone hears me calling him, will, will you just open the door? He said, you don't even have to come out. He's not knocking at your door. Hey, I need you to get out here and trust people. He said, no, no, I'm going to step into your rejection with you. I'm going to step into your trauma with you. I'm going to step into that setback. He said, no, no, I don't need you to come out. I just want to come in. He said, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Could it be that the discomfort of the season that we're in is not just a random discomfort, but is Jesus knocking at the door of our heart? And I want to come in. Some of us have shut off our faith saying, last time I trusted God, it didn't work out, so I'm not coming out there. And he said, I don't need you to come out. We'll do that in time. But if you'll just make me a decision, I'm going to let me in. Maybe the abuse was 25 years ago. Maybe that person walked out of your life over a decade ago. Maybe that business closed seven years ago. You're over it, but you've made life decisions from it. that have cut off any other opportunities in your life. I'm not asking you to change your mind. I'm just asking you, can you let Jesus in? Can you let him breathe peace into a place that to this day is still keeping you up at night? Second thought is this. It says, no, not all closed doors are the same, but some closed doors are a setup. So hear me. There are doors that we close out of fear, but then there's doors that, that Jesus closes. I, I think about the dough that Noah was in. Y'all remember Noah? He said, hey, uh, hey Noah, um, you won't be out here for this. It's about to go down. There's a little bit of water. <laughs> so he said, come on, come on in. You get a little bit of sheep, the lamb. I heard a joke. Somebody said, I'm as desperate as the third monkey trying to get on the ark. <laughs> I gotta let me in. It says, here, read your Bible in your own time. I wish I had time to preach, but I don't. It says, it says, Jesus closed the door. It says, Noah, you going in, take your family and take get get there, take your time, take your time. Okay, you and then it says, he closed the door. There are certain doors that unequivocally God closes in our life. And hear me, when God closes the door, don't mess with it. I, I'm, I'm preaching to Stephen, Stephen and BWI, Columbia, y'all are godly, y'all, y'all, BWI, y'all with me on this one. I'm just one of them people that if a door closed, I'm going to kick that thing in. You got to understand, I, my daddy raised me to break into places. <laughs> that don't even sound right, but that's a, listen, I, you, you think I'm joking. My person, I've, my job has changed. My personality is the same. If I see a closed door, will you get out of my way? Someone in this building has the key to where I need to go. I just need to meet the right person. I just need to get the right opportunity. I just got to find. Anybody else, you're just a little ignorant like your pastor. You just, you don't even comprehend closed doors. It's just like, listen, I see people in there. <laughs> Somebody got in. And if they got in, I'm going to get in. Don't you worry about it. I'm... 
We got to realize, though, that some closed doors, God closed it. You should see the closed doors in the Bible. God closed the door to the Garden of Eden. He closed it so shut, he put a dog on angel with a sword. He said, y'all don't want to come back in here. We would see that as God cursing them, God rebanishing them from his presence. He said, no, 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 no. In here is the tree of life, and if you eat that, you'll live forever. You don't want to live forever with the pain of sin in your life. No, 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 no. Let's, let's just go ahead and let this run its course. And don't worry. I'll send my son to make sure that when you're born again, you'll live a life that's free of pain. God closed the door to Balaam on his donkey. Here comes the angel with the sword again. Now, you know, you don't want to go down this road. Because if you go, here's what I'm, whenever God closes a door in my life, He's either preparing me for a breakthrough or he's preparing the breakthrough for me. You got to understand that as God moves in our life, there's something called kairos. Kronos is natural time. Kairos is supernatural collisions. And here we are saying, God, I'm waiting for it. Insert whatever you're waiting for. God, why haven't I been able to find Mr. and Mrs. Wright? One of two reasons. You're not ready for them, or they're not ready for you. You know what I found is worse than not getting the good thing? Getting the good thing at the wrong time. Because the good thing at the wrong time is just as wrong as the wrong thing. Come on. I, I know everybody's not Caribbean like me, but you... You ever ate a mango and it wasn't right? Come on, this is an analogy that's only going to get about three people. Half of y'all in here doing, what's the mango? It's like a peach, but it's not. <laughs> Come on now. You ever ate a banana when it was green? Hey, what am I going to do with this? It's an amazing fruit at the right time. But in the wrong timing. Hear me. The first time the disciples locked themselves in a the room. The second time Jesus locked them in the room. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says this, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them, don't leave this room. He said, go in this room and wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. I've learned the stewardship of closed doors dictates whether I'll be able to maximize open doors. Y'all having fun? I'm having fun. Can I ask you? You know when you're in trouble when I'm asking you. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, BWI? What have you been doing for the last 18 months? As airports have been closed, as jobs have been closed, for a certain season, the physical doors of the church has been closed. And by the way, y'all online, uh, we open. <laughs> doors open. We here. We here. We've been here. Actually, pull up. Um, what, what, what have you been doing for the last 18 months in your singleness? What, what, what have you been doing as you're working that job that you hate, but another one hasn't opened up yet? What have you been doing in the season where that relationship with that spouse or that parent or child has been strained? I know the door is closed, but what are you doing behind the closed door? 
Because some doors we've closed and we need to open them up to Jesus. But some doors Jesus closed and he closed it for a purpose. Because there should be preparation that's happening on the other side of that door. Matthew chapter 6 verse 6 says this. But you, when you pray. I love the assumptions that Jesus makes of Christians. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Go into your room. And when you have, don't we all praying with the door open? Oh, <laughs> if I could preach. God, will you? God, will you? God, will you? Did he? Did he? Did he? Did he? You, you can't live by faith and sight at the same time. You're either going to pray and believe he's going to do it, or you're going to look for him to do it. But if you're praying and looking at the same time, you are neutralizing your faith. Close the door. I don't see any options. That's because you live by faith. If you saw options, you wouldn't need faith. The only purpose of faith is to hope for things that are not. He said, when you pray, go in and close the door so you're not tempted to look. Pray to your father who his, his eyes are on the secret place. Our eyes are on opportunity. His eyes are on the secret place. And your father who sees in secret Oh, he's going to open some doors. What have we been doing in this season when the doors of our life have not been open? Have we been blaming God? Have we been angry at God? Have we been twiddling our fingers, waiting for life to get back to normal? Do you understand that when America gets back to normal, when the world gets back to normal, we ain't going back to March 15, 2020. March 15, 2020, the day that the whole world shut down, is gone. It ain't coming back. When we come out, we coming out in 2021. Or I have, I've been out, but whenever you coming out. Am I maximizing the moments behind closed doors? Y'all may not know this. I'm 34. I got all this gray hair because people stress me out. <laughs> One of the things people also say is you don't preach like a 34-year-old. You don't walk like a 34-year-old. You don't talk like a 34-year-old. You know why? Because for seven years of my life, I was locked in a car driving for my dad. And I had nothing better to do than listen to messages. So for seven years, I listened to five messages a day. And please, I got a YouTube channel. Please listen to everything I preach. <laughs> However, I didn't listen to young preachers because they were as dumb as I was. <laughs> if you weren't 50, I, and this is all messing up my whole ministry, I wasn't listening to you. I have pastors like Pastor Wendell Smith. Come on, y'all don't know names like Bishop Tudor Bismarck, Pastor Bill Winston. That I didn't listen to one or two messages. I listened to everything they preached for like an eight-year span. And it, it, I was just bored. I wasn't even being intentional. But what I later realized, it was behind closed doors. It was in that moment where nothing was happening, where nobody knew who I was, nobody cared who I was, where I was building an anointing. I was building an understanding. I didn't even realize it. I kind of just stumbled into it. But behind closed doors is where God prepares you. You know what I've discovered, and I see the clock, guys. I'm going to end on time. 
The worst thing is when a door opens and you ain't ready. When someone hands you a microphone and you have nothing to say. When somebody says, this is your moment, and you're like, uh, uh, uh. what were you doing when you were supposed to be preparing? I, I left the house this morning probably about 7 o'clock, and all I hear from Zoe is, Daddy, Daddy, can I come out now? I know my alarm clock didn't turn green, but Daddy can. And she's a little scammer. She knows she's Daddy's little princess. At least for another three weeks or so until I have another daughter. But anyway. <laughs> that was shady. Dad, here, here's how she gets out of her room. Daddy, can I come give you a hug? I just want to give you a hug. Oh, baby girl, you can come give me a hug. And she comes to give me a hug and she'll go back to her bed. But come three in the afternoon, she's the crankiest little kid ever because she didn't sleep. Are we behind closed doors saying, God, can I come out now? God, can I date now? God, can I start this business now? God, can I launch this church now? God, can I do this? God, can I? Or are we maximizing the moment behind closed doors knowing our good father has perfect timing and he's going to open the door at the right time. And when he opens the door, I better be. Listen to me, Union Church. God is getting ready to open a door. And when that door opens, we better be prayed up. We better be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We better be a place of hope and healing for those that God is going to send our way. And if we waste time complaining about the lack of opportunity, when we're supposed to be getting ready for the opportunity, when the opportunity comes, we're going to be embarrassed. Play that piano. Let me give you this last thing. We're going to land this plane. By the way, guys, because of the clock, at the end of the service, it may be the fastest wrap-up you've ever heard. Baptism, growth track, do it all. Amen. See you next week. All right. Point number, <laughs> point number three. Hear me. Hear me. Let's go. Holy Ghost. Here we go. I'm having fun. Okay. Calm down. You in BWI? Hear me. Don't miss this. Don't get used to closed doors. Not all closed doors are God. Some of it is our response to trauma. Some closed doors are God, and it's just a setup. He's given us time to prepare. So when that door opens, we're ready to maximize it. Some of you are trying to meet people that now's not the time for you to meet them because they don't have a problem for you to fix. You see, when you meet influential people, but they don't have a problem, they don't really need to know you, so they don't want to know you. But when they now have a problem, and God was always creating you to be the solution of, listen, they don't got enough problems to meet you yet. You just keep cultivating your gift and your anointing behind closed doors. He'll introduce you to the right people at the right moment. But it doesn't matter how long doors have been closed in your life. Hear me, please don't get used to them. I'm not even going to read the verse because I don't have time. I'll just tell you the story. You know, Peter got locked up. And they had just chopped James, the brother of Jesus. They just cut his head off. And the Romans found that people were so excited about James' execution, they were getting ready to execute Peter. Just, just Stephen, so you don't have to take it as Bible. I think James died because the church wasn't praying. The church got caught slipping. They said not twice, so when they arrested Peter, they all went into a house. They closed the door. 
and they began to pray. And it says, as they prayed, an angel showed up, kicked Peter, wake up. I want to be a guy that can sleep in prison. Facing death the next day, and I'm like, God got me. See ya. Peter knocked out. He's asleep. That's faith. You sleeping in the face of execution. You, I ain't there yet, by the way. I'd be trying to break that thing. You know I break into things. I just give me a... <laughs> says his chains fell off. Doors open. Peter walks through the streets and comes to the exact door where the prayer meeting. Acts chapter 12. Read on your own. Peter is knocking on the door. <laughs> Sounds familiar? Hey, your prayer has been answered. Hey, you don't got to pray anymore. Here's what the Bible says. It says that Rhoda, the girl that worked there, she opened the door. Oh, my gosh, it's Peter. (laughs) Exactly what they were praying for was at the door. And because they were praying with no expectations, when the breakthrough came through the door, they didn't even know to open it. Hear me, don't get used to closed doors. Don't get used to not having favor. Don't get used to opportunity. Because it's not a life sentence, it's a season. And it's a season of preparation. I remember when I was young, my parents used to make me take a nap. I hate naps. My mom's like, I don't care you. Go read, whatever. I just need you out of my hair. That's what happens when you have five kids. You make your 13-year-old take a nap. Get out of here. And I put all my pillow and have stuff off the bed. And I'd set it up right by the door. Because she would say, when it's time to come out, I'll call you. And I didn't want to waste the seven steps from my bed to the door. So I set up right at the door. So when she opened that door, I'm out. I feel the posture of our heart needs to be, God, I'm right by this door. And I'm not going to kick it in, and I'm not going to peek out. But the second you open that door, the second that contract comes, the second that person wants to step into my life, the second that person wants to reconcile, the second, God, I am ready for an open door. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful for your grace, for your mercy in our lives. God, I pray in this moment that you would teach us to maximize these closed-door seasons. When you open the door, God, we're not caught off guard, we're not embarrassed, but we're ready. Wherever you are, can you pray this prayer? Please say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I have a quick question. Have you opened the door of your heart to Jesus? It's not deep. It's not complicated. And you already know the answer. Maybe it's self-reliance that has you locked away. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's trauma. Maybe it's disappointment. Whatever it is. Today's the day that Jesus wants to step through the wall of your heart and breathe a peace on you that surpasses all understanding. Whether you're watching online, you're in BWI, you're in Columbia, wherever you find yourself, and you say, Pastor, I, I need to open my heart. I haven't opened my heart up to another person in years. The Bible says that Jesus, it says he's gentle. It's lowly of heart. 
Whether you're returning to Jesus or you never had a relationship with Jesus before, but you say, Pastor, I'm opening my heart to Jesus right now. Hey, can you pray this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for wanting me. I pray you would step into my heart right now. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever?